Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that is primed to check out face-off percentage and down this critical stretch run for the Dallas Stars. It's time to do a little bit of stargazing. Mark, it's been a hot minute. How are you, buddy? It, it's been a while, a couple of weeks. I don't, why Why did we miss uh, where the Stars on a winning streak and we just couldn't take it? Uh, I think mostly we missed because I have young children and they yeah. demand attention from time to time and it's rather frustrating. Yeah, that'll do it too. So, well, if we're if we're going to talk face-off, it's the stars. So we might as well talk defensive zone face-offs, right? Ooh, I don't know. We're going to have to slap an explicit rating on this thing. It's we're going to talk about D zone face-offs. <laughs> well, we know we we have Radek Fox, who's kind of the king of them, and uh, Foxy Fox and, and, and Glenn Denning was is there to back him up. So Ooh. all of our favorite people to talk about. I know our fans love hearing about uh, about those superstars. Tell me more. Tell me more. And then, then if we're if things don't get steamy enough talking about that, we might we might talk a little bit about Michael Roffel on the on the PK. I like it. You know the the fact that he can accept the dish backhand from from, from Glenn Denning and pop it in. <laughs> you know this is just stars hockey at its best. It is. I mean that is that is that's the sub. This is what we're going through right now. This is stars hockey at its best, and that sometimes is said. In earnest, sometimes that said with a you know tongue firmly in cheek. I've I've, I've kind of thought we've talked before the, the the Schrodinger's hockey team, right? Like you could, we you know it's it, let's just say so. It's been about two weeks since we've done this, right? And and obviously yep. we've both watched the games, but if if we had it, actually better example, Dallas is playing Edmonton right now, and and we're recording this podcast. We're we're both going to DVR the game later. I have a little bit of an idea of what happened early. You know nothing at all, but if if we were sitting here. And if I were to tell you, well, Mark, Dallas got off the mark quick and it's, you know, three nothing at the first intermission, you you wouldn't I'd necessarily <laughs> say that's insane, right? No, I, I think coming out of that Vancouver game, uh, there there are reasons to think that Dallas should be motivated going into this game. And they've had good success against Edmonton so far this year. Fair enough. And then flip side, if I were to tell you that. Dallas is down three to nothing and getting out shot, you know, 12 to two, you would have a similar reaction. It, it wouldn't be shocking, right? It, it it would probably be less shocking than the up three zero. But yeah. <laughs> and, and again, I'd still watch the game because there's plenty of time left. And uh, and the stars have an amazing ability to uh, to come back this year. Yeah. And then, and then the final variation. If I were to tell you that it was, you know, one to one or, or zero to zero, basically what I'm getting well, at is I can lay any scoreline on you. Yeah. And most scorelines, like it's, it, it would be very difficult for me to put a plausible scoreline in front of you, and plausible by NHL standards. But if I told you it was 22 to nothing, you'd, you'd probably think something was up. But you know, one to nothing, two to one, one to one, like I could drop anything on you. You're probably going to be like, yeah, that's our stars. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's the stars. And and here, you know, I. I Mike Smith is coming off of two straight shutouts, so you know backing that up is sometimes difficult. And uh, if and when the stars decide to score, sometimes you break that bubble and uh, and and the the water is unleashed. So I, I think it is kind of important that the stars do a little damage early on, and uh, and 
don't let Smith get comfortable and let those minutes rack up where he extends his shutout streak. I mean, that's the thing, right? Especially you got to get the team against Edmonton as well. As much improved as they are, it's it's driven still. They're they're a playing forward kind of team. So the the book on Smith and the book on the Oilers in general is you you can't let yourself get on the back foot. You gotta you gotta take it to them. That's where you're gonna have success. Well, yeah, and I mean to tell you the truth, the stars have uh, the stars have dodged the bullet of Edmonton a couple times already this year. Um, you know, that first game, they they kept uh, they kept McDavid off the score sheet for the first time of the year. And, and the power play really hasn't hasn't clicked for Edmonton. So uh, so, you know, with law of averages, uh, I'd expect to see some offense in the game. But, uh, you know, time will tell. Um, and, and really what I think we need to lean on here is uh, the, the stars are currently sitting in a pretty good, uh, pretty good spot for making the playoffs as long as they can get some points out of these last six games. Yeah. I mean, they caught a huge break last night while they were busy laying an egg against, you know, a, a clinging to to life Vancouver squad. Um, they got lucky and, and the Golden Knights dropped points. So as, as we sit here tonight, and obviously disclaimer being by the time we finish this podcast, they will have finished playing against Edmonton and this will have changed very slightly. But by the time... When we sit th- sit down tonight, right, Dallas in the Central Division, there's still two points behind the Predators with a game in hand. Complicating factor there is Dallas, my, I think it's regulation wins, is the first tiebreaker, and Dallas holds that over basically nobody. So Dallas is in a position where if they're going to pass a team, they need to pass that team on points. They can't tie and get nudged ahead by a tiebreak. But in theory, right, Dallas is in a virtual tie with Nashville who are in the first wild card spot. So there is still upward mobility as far as the Dallas stars are concerned. There is a team that they could catch and pass. Um, also in the mix, right? More kind of urgently is are the golden Knights. So right now Dallas is still uh, Dallas is at 91 points. The golden Knights are at 87. So that's, that's first off four point cushion. That's nice. Um, Dallas has one game in hand, uh, which by the end of this week they will have played. So, you know, four point cushion, one game in hand. There is a head to head remaining. So this reminds me Dallas is kind of in the Nashville position versus Dallas last season, right? As they were chasing, uh, chasing the playoffs. So right now, and then, then, you know, you've got Vancouver. They're a little bit on the, on the outskirts. Uh, Los Angeles looks to be pulling away from, from the wild card mix. So it kind of seems like the, the, Preds, Stars, and Knights are in a little bit of a tussle for two playoff spots. And as we record this right now, things still do look very good for the Stars. They're, you know, for all of our teeth gnashing, they're 5-3-2 in their last 10. And even though, you know, the Golden Knights are 6-3-1, and one, that pace still gets Dallas in, right? It's 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 looking okay. Um, Nashville is 5-4-1, and one, so like nobody has... You know, Edmonton, I think, picked it up a little bit. They've gone eight, one and one. So Edmonton kind of struck their way out of things. Um, you know, Vegas can't pick up wins to save their life. So it's it's kind of cautious optimism, I think, is the is the word of the day. Is that is that insane? No, I, I think that's fairly reasonable. And and I think it's also fairly reasonable to have a conversation at some point to say, um, you know, who do you like? Do you like uh, do you like Calgary or Colorado? Um, because I, you know, as much as you downplay, uh, you know, the stars being a fairly average team, at least first round, those are two teams that the stars have matched up fairly decently against. Yeah. 
and you get into as well Dallas being fairly average over the course of a season. Whereas, just I mean, look at the last week, right? If 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 they get, if you're talking about the version of Dallas that that got points and, and won against Tampa Bay, that is a very different conversation than the version of Dallas that came out disinterested and disjointed and got you know got handled by Vancouver. Yep, yep, and and you know as we get closer to uh, to playoff hockey you can start looking a little bit more at, at individual matchups as opposed to just uh, which systems match up against which other systems. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that just, is, that just, is one of my favorite parts about hockey and the peculiar peculiarities of it, right? During the season, you kind of play your way and you don't really have time to make, you know, Dallas doesn't have, it's, it's not like the NFL where you, you break down tape and Dallas has a very specific structure and tactic to win tonight's game against Edmonton, right? It's you play to some trends and you play to your strengths, but then the playoffs roll around and all of a sudden that's exactly what you do have. You have the ability to really match and, and mix and, and do things to a specific opponent. So it's, it's a, a different sort of challenge. Yeah. And, and I would argue that maybe, you know, just the way the systems mesh together. Maybe Vancouver is a tough matchup for the Stars this year. There, there's kind of a combination of skill and speed that, uh, and, and an ability to control the blue line that maybe the Stars don't see very often and they don't deal with very well. I think you there's that. And I think with Vancouver, you also have an elite netminder. And yeah. for a team like Dallas that that really struggles for chances, especially five on five, they you know how many times have we seen them get goalied, right? Like they they struggle. I mean, and this is <laughs> this is insert every NHL team, so it's hardly unique to us. But I feel like Dallas in particular struggles against upper tier goaltending, and Thatcher Demko tends to give you that, right? He's and so that can also that can exacerbate some of the other problems on Dallas's roster when they they can't really, you know, they have to fight harder for their chances. Right, exactly, and 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 you talk about the last ten, and and then take a look at you now the stars are coming away with a bunch of wins there, perhaps, but they aren't really putting in a lot of goals to do so. And so again, it's low event hockey, and uh, and, and the stars have figured out a way to if they don't come out of it with a win in regulation, they found a way to 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 win it in overtime. So I mean, it's it's you know, one that, of those stars things, hockey. Yep. The way the playoff brackets break out, right? There, there are two teams in the Western in the Western Conference. If if the play, if the playoff started today, two teams in the Western Conference have a not just single digit but negative goal differential, and one of those teams is the still two years away Los Angeles Kings, who actually have a better goal differential, negative three, than the Dallas Stars at negative six. Um, so this is that that is a you know, what you're talking about, that's also, yeah, the, the, you know, you're talking about the Colorado Avalanche, they're a plus 87 goal differential, and then Dallas is a minus six. So to give you an idea of how difficult it is for this team to score goals. Um, yeah. Well, well, and then you, you, you also, it's like, okay, you win four in a row, but you win them by one goal each, and then you lose six, two, and all of a sudden you're even, but you have a, you're four and one on the, in the win column. So that's kind of the way the star season has been when they lose, they tend to lose big. They give up empty net goals. Um, if they're up one, they don't score empty net goals. And, and if, if anything else, they give up a six on five goal and then take it to overtime and win it there. Yep. So, so that, that's how you that get it. Yeah. That, that's how you get to a negative goal differential when you're, uh, when you're, you know, if you just take a look at straight wins and losses, um, they're, they're hanging in there pretty good. 
but they're they're winning the close ones and losing the blowouts and and that ends up with a negative goal differential and fortunately that doesn't really count when it makes it to the, when it comes to the playoffs it doesn't really count in anything no it doesn't and it also like it, it, to your point right you know you got to throw it, that's why there are advanced stats right because you know the, the you pull your goalie because they're they're you know this isn't this isn't the EPL right this isn't a, the World Cup where we're going to look at goal differential like it matters there there is no practical difference between losing a, a hockey game you know five to uh, you know four to five versus six to four right like that just doesn't matter and so it's one of those situations where you get you get things like pulled goalies that inflate but again you pull a goalie because it's a close game just means Dallas is always not always, but they, they tend to be locked up in tight ones, no matter who they're playing, which leads to some of the bulge we see in their, their goal differential, a, yeah. a six to two loss to Vancouver really, you know, four to two. I mean, not, they still lost, they still got outplayed, but there are a couple of bonus goals on there because they were, you know, pushing for success late. Yeah, and uh, as a, as kind of a long long standing Stars fan, it felt a little. Uh, uh, he, he got a warm spot in there for Jason Dickinson, who's been suffering through a, a fairly miserable time in Vancouver, and and having him be the the number one star of the game. Um, yeah, uh, Dick Dickinson took a lot of shots to the face for the Stars, he so uh, so I'll I'll grant him that, and even even seeing a nice little primary assist from uh, from Sheldon Dries. Um, you know, hey, there, there, there were there were four uh, four players who were on the what was it the 2017-2018 uh, Calder Cup final list yeah. in Texas, two of them on each team and uh, all forwards. So that was, was kind of interesting team. to see. That yeah, was a fun team. So let's let me talk. Let's let's segue just a little bit since we're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the run. You know, Dallas is playing. You know, when we look at the remaining schedule and talking about Dallas's chances, they've got. The 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 flaming hot Oilers tonight, and then the actual Flames tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. So pretty tough. And then in theory, the last four games of the season are when the Stars could really lock this thing down. They've got the Kraken, the Coyotes, and the Ducks, and then they've also got the Golden Knights. Right. So this is why when we talk about playoff percentages and, and likelihoods and and all of that, like. And this is why, as well, they're in sort of the Nashville seat from last season. Dallas has the points remaining to ensure they get into the playoffs. I mean, yes, obviously, the easiest path is you beat the Golden Knights on the 26th, and this all becomes rather academic. But even if Dallas knocking wood, like they they have the flexibility to biff that one too, as long as they take care of business against the teams that are really bad and they should. So I think it's it's a strange it's it's honestly like a classic Dallas stars test, right? Can they win games against teams they should be able to beat? And if the right. answer to that question is yes, we're looking at a playoff team. Right. And, and I think, I think you take a different tack to it. You say it's one game at a time. You, you deal with it. Uh, you know, how, how many times did we look at a month ahead of time and say, Oh, the stars, the stars are just playing, you know, 75% of their games are against playoff teams and they don't match up well. And then you take a look at it at the end of the month and they came out of there fairly decent. Yeah. You know, other other than really the start of the season, the Stars have been playing, you know, 600, uh, 600% uh, 
point garnishing uh, hockey. And so it's been pretty consistent. And so if you if you take, you know, who would have thought that we were going to beat the uh, beat the Lightning one zip? Um, and not if, just if, beat them one. That was a that was not a you know leave town under the cover of darkness with your stolen two points. Like they 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 earned that one. That was a great yeah. game. <clears throat> yeah, and so so you just you know here here I just take a step back and say you know go out there play play hockey, um, do what you've been doing for the last several months, and if you if you give the effort. Uh, the points will, and I hate to say this because it is a, a truism for the stars <laughs> now. The points, will ta- Don't you dare. the points will take care of themselves. The goals may not, but the points will. I mean, they should, right? And yeah. especially if, if you know, whether it's tonight against Edmonton or tomorrow against Calgary, which are teams that Dallas has played well against at stretches, right? Dallas famously choked away what should have been a slam dunker against Calgary earlier in the season. So I'm not even saying that, that losing those two games is a foregone conclusion, but Dallas has, they've got, they've got, you know, a four point cushion and a head to head. And my goodness, if they can't figure out how to get in from that, then they, they weren't going to be meaningful anyways. And we might as well just be done with the group. Right. And, and if you're playing, you know, you, you know, the first thing you do is you win, is you win your, the battle in front of you. And, and your coaches are going to challenge you to win the period that's in front of you. And if you win your period, you're going to win. You're winning, going to win a game. And if you win a game, you're going to get where you want to be. And so the worst thing you can do is start looking out on the horizon and thinking about all the what ifs. And then you start grabbing your stick a little tight and, and putting more pressure on yourself than you need to. All you need to do is to win the battle that's in front of you. Yeah, I I really like that. That's a good way to put it. The, all all this team has to do is win the battle in front of it. Yep. Yeah. And that's beyond that, mission. how it happens, it happens. And and you know, sometimes you're going to win games that you have no right winning, and sometimes you're going to lose games that you thought you had won. And and, and you know, at, at the end, you put out your best effort and and take the result. Yeah. So then, let me ask you this. On that note, one of the other things that that has cropped up lately is are you know in many ways this season has been an an unexpected ascension of Jake Ottinger to number one goaltender status but he hasn't exactly been I, I wouldn't say he has been well let me let me put it this way he was not great against Vancouver there were a couple of of goals that that he under normal circumstances would probably get combined with Scott Wedgwood has been a pretty stellar uh, trade deadline acquisition by Jim Nell, really short up the position in light of Braden Holtby's injuries. Is, is this just a Twitter sphere slash comments controversy that's, that's cracked up or do the Dallas stars actually have a, a goaltending controversy brewing? I mean, I certainly don't see it as a goaltending controversy. I, I think you have to look at Ottinger and, and and his body of work over the season and say that he's just the number one for for the Dallas Stars. And you know, you'll you'll find there there are ebbs and flows. So so if his last five, maybe his save percentage is down around nine as opposed to you know nine point one five or something like that. Yeah, okay. So you know, it, it seemed pretty apparent. Uh, what Razor was saying is true. It didn't look like he was tracking the puck very well against yeah. Vancouver. So yeah, you have off games like that. And so you, you put that in the rearview mirror and you go on and you play the next game. And, and so here, you know, Wedgwood came in on the back half of that and, and look, you know, he, he was definitely tracking the puck. He wasn't giving up rebounds. Uh, he did give up the one short-sided goal, which, uh, which I think he sh- thought he should have had. 
Yeah. But you're you're going back to back against Edmonton and Calgary, and so I see no reason why you don't just, you know, as normal course of business, throw Wedgwood in against Edmonton. He seems to have done fairly well against the teams that have the, that are high volume shooters. Um, and, and so I think you just run with that, and then and then Otter comes back in against Calgary, and and controversy gone. Yeah, and I mean I think you know one, and we'll we'll get into this in just a minute. I don't I agree with you. I don't think it's as much a controversy as you might think. The biggest problem, and what I think Dallas Stars fans are reacting to, is on let's see, there was there were back to back the back to back games against Anaheim. In Mar- March 29th and 31st, right? Ottinger got mm-hmm. both of those starts. Was 9:29 in Game One. Was 9:13 in Game Two. And let's see, one, two, three, four, five. In the six games since, how many of those games has he been over over 900 save percentage? Yeah, I, I it, it, it hasn't been great. It, no, the answer the answer is three. I don't I don't want to leave you twisting okay. in the wind. So he was, and, yeah. and it's not even that impressive. So he was, you know, eight ninety three against Seattle, followed by nine oh five against the Islanders, eight seventy in the in the loss against the Devils, nine hundred in the way too close game against Chicago. Admittedly, played great, nine fifty eight in the uh, the San Jose win, and then seven eighty nine against Vancouver. So if, if you look at the last half dozen games, um, you know, on the one hand, Ottinger's won three of those. So, you know, he's he's getting getting the dubs more or at least as often as he's not. But in that last half dozen games, there's probably one of those games where you look at it and think, yeah, Ottinger was was a positive difference maker. And yeah, it's a, a touch unfair because he did I mean he did he did make 36 saves against Chicago, so it's not like it's not like he was letting in a ton, but he just hasn't been, you know, stellar in the past half dozen games. And, and for a team that's kind of on the edge of the playoffs and every point matters and everything that's going on, it's it's a little bit disconcerting, especially given some of just the the 200 hockey men baggage that comes with being a young goaltender. And it's it's just this is a bad time of year for a young goaltender to struggle when it comes to narratives. Yep. Yep. And, and and the thing is, you know, every once in a while, you kind of hope that you're going to have a goaltender will steal one for you. And the stars really haven't had a lot of that happen for them this year. They they always they you know they have two shutouts. The Wedgwood had the one, and then they had the zero zero shootout uh, game against Chicago that counts as a shutout. But other than that, they really haven't been putting up blank slates. No. Um. What what I like. With with Ottinger, when when Ottinger's having trouble, you 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 know he's giving up rebounds, and you can yeah. kind of tell. Um, he's, if, he's, if he's, he gets if he's on, he's scrambling, right? Right, and and it's almost like you know he he expects the puck to stick to him, and he's a bit surprised when it doesn't. It's a good way to put it. I think, yeah, you're right. And I think he also, in my opinion, he gets too aggressive moving from post to post, and I yeah. feel like one of the the having watched him now for for a hot minute i think one of the telltales of a oh no ottinger's having a night game is when you there's there'll be a save where he's just kind of sliding and you're yep. like hey buddy it looks like you slid a couple feet further than you intended it, it feels like his body control gets a little bit he gets a the, the controller gets gets calibrated incorrectly and he's a little bit too loose with his game and then you start to see rebounds and angle stuff and sort of the, the fundamentals break down a little bit and he starts trying to rely on athleticism and 
at the NHL level, that'll get you killed. <laughs> unless, unless you're Dominic. Is, is that is that Jake Ottinger? Or are you or are you talking about Kari Lettinen? Uh, <laughs> I mean, his... yeah, we right. Yeah, but yeah, you know, he's a young goaltender, and you yeah. know, we, we all wanted him up at the NHL level at the beginning of the year, but he started down at the AHL level, and he kind of went through a similar progression there, where he started off real hot and then went into a slump, and and amazingly, he kind of got his call up to the NHL. At, at a point when he was in the middle of a mini slump down with Texas and then came up to the NHL and the slump was behind him. It's and so some of, yeah, some of, some of it's just, it just ebbs and flows. And, you know, if, if he's off now, I, I fully expect him to reverse that. I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with his game. Uh, he is what he is, which means that he's, you know, he's, what is he up to? 26, 27 wins on the yep. year that that's, that's some great numbers. And, and so, you know, Wedgwood is, has been a great pickup, but, um, and his overall, he's, he's a B he, he, and, he's, yeah. he's not the number one goaltender that's going to take us all the way to where, where this team wants to go. Well, and I will say with that stretch and, and then I want to point some stuff out about Wedgwood. So with, even with his recent half dozen games or so with, Jake Ottinger, Dallas is still looking at a two, five, six goals against average, which is fantastic. That that's perfectly fine. And then a nine thirteen save percentage. So is he, you know, Vezina front runner, world beating? You know, no, he's not. He's not scaring the guys at the you know the very very top of the pecking order. But you can absolutely, you know, if if you go to most teams in the league, right? Non-Vasilevsky category and say, Hey, we will lock you in at a two and a half goals against, and you know, nine thirteen save percentage in the net for 44, you know, 40 plus games. Most teams are going to say, yeah, okay, let's, let's go. You, you can, you can win with that. Right. And, and, and to especially tell you the when truth, the kid's uh, 23. <laughs> right. But at, at the star structure, defensive structure is all built around making sure that, you avoid high danger chances. And so what you need to make sure is that Otter is not giving up, you know, you know, easy, easy shots from the point and, yeah, and, no and developing some holes that, uh, that just shouldn't be there. Yeah. And, and so if he starts giving up those type of goals, then you start worrying about some fundamentals, but I haven't really seen that he's doing that. Yeah. Um, he's depending on the structure. What, what we've seen a bunch of is that the defensive structure is, um, especially against teams with speed, uh, we've been exposed a little bit with some of the lack of speed on with some of our, uh, shall we say, uh, left defenders. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, defenders not named Miro Haskinen have really right. struggled with the pace of play. Right, but I, you certainly saw it in the game that uh, that Andres Sekera was in, um, and and I think we've seen it a couple times happen here in the last several games with uh, with with Suter. Where where get a little pace, uh, he he's trying to hold the line maybe a little too much and he just gets walked and yeah. and, and and then that's the point where you really need Ottinger to 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 be making those fabulous saves that keep us in the game. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about defense in just a second, but the last thing I'll say just just to quiet the Wedgwood crowd is I think this is this is an instance where we we're remembering the highlights. And so, you know, we talked about Jake Ottinger's last six games and how he's been up and down. Well, guess what, right? So Wedgwood, he had, of course, he had that 44-save debut with the Stars, 936, right? Then he was 857, 
against the San Jose Sharks, 9-0-2 against the admittedly high-powered Toronto Maple Leafs. He got the shutout against Tampa Bay, so credit there. He was 8-89 against the Wild in that overtime game, and then 9-0-9 before getting pulled. Uh, sorry, 9-0-9 in in 27 minutes against Vancouver. So it's not like we are. I think as fans, right. Several things are happening independently, right? Jake Ottinger has had a rough stretch, and Scott Wedgwood has had a couple of games where he has really stood out. And I think those are getting translated in our Stars fans' brains as, well, maybe Scott Wedgwood is playing better and we should ride him. Whereas in reality, they're both kind of up and down right now. They when they're good, they're good. When they're not, they're not. And and this isn't a situation where one goaltender is very clearly outperforming the other. This is a situation where there's there are some some days Dallas's crease is great and some days it's not. Right. And and that's kind of what you would expect with uh with a a young goaltender and a, to be frank, a journeyman backup. Um if the structure is not there, they're gonna have cracks in their game. And Dallas is not a team that is just sitting back and saying that we're going to ride a goaltender all the way to the Stanley Cup. What they need is a goaltender who's going to do his job. And, and, and then you have you know, a, a top line and an and a, uh, underrated defense uh, that hopefully gets unleashed on the offensive end that, that will give them some kind of chance to advance. Yeah. But the net, the net needs to be serviceable and maybe steal a game here or there but but that's not uh, a superstar position yet not yet no i think i think that's the formula for you know you, you hope that you hope that the first line can steal a game or two you hope that the goaltending can steal a game or two and then all of a sudden you're looking at you know between all around team play secondary scoring cobbling together a number of other factors factors to get the other wins you need to advance Okay, you want to talk uh, defense or you want to talk forwards? Let's let's talk forwards and, and just start with the, the vaguest and broadest of questions. And what is your read of this group right now? I think one, uh, one that top line is incredible. They're going to stay together for the season. Uh, although the, you know, I've seen arguments that says break them up and spread the wealth, but I don't see that happening. Okay, that was going to be my question. So you're you're not a spread the wealth guy? Not at this point. They, they've been together the whole year and they've proved that they can be the number one focus of teams and still produce. And so at this point, if we're going to say we like where we're at as the team, where we're at is with that line. And so you're dealing with the next three lines and trying to figure out a combination that will give you your best chance of success. I also think on top of that, this is one of the, this is one of the downsides of being a bubble team and having to fight for it all season. If if Dallas had any kind of, of significant cushion, I think you might have the ability to tinker a little bit, right? If 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 they had, you know, if it was an eight point lead, if they were, you know, then you might have the ability to look at some other options. But the reality is they're they kind of need every point. And so when you're a a team that can't score five on five when you're a team that can't really depend on consistent scoring outside of the top line, and when you're a team that can't really afford to drop points, these are all the ingredients of, yeah, it would be fantastic to see if you could, you know, talking about pairings instead, right? Could you maybe move him somewhere or would Sagan still pretty, you know, th- there, it'd be great to do that. And the team in the big picture probably does, 
But at this stage in the season, with as much on the line as is on the line, there's just nowhere. You, you don't have the time. There's there's not a – you can't do it. So I think you're right. There, This team will – this team is going to ride or die based on Pavelski and Suns' ability to produce and the rest of the lineup to kind of tag along. And, and that's just that's just what it is. We're not we're not going to see anything different. Right. And and I think, you know, if, if I'm – truth be told um, – you're probably talking about uh, Glenn Denning, Raffle, and Foxa being a, a permanent fixture for this team. I, I know that there's been a little mixing and matching with Glenn Denning. And I mean, I will Raffle. say Foxa skates like a permanent fixture. He is what he is. Um, <laughs> we, we can remember the old, the, the old Foxy and, uh, and, and Gravy goals, yeah. But so what we're really left with then is how we mix and match Ben and Sagan, who are really the only other two fixtures, if you will, in the lineup, and then mixing and matching who is there to find people who can contribute consistently or not be a absolute killer to a, a three-person line. And so you have four positions there. And five players who are, in essence, competing for those positions. And each one of those players has strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes it's even combinations. So you have somebody like like uh, Gurianov, who, who's probably, you know, in my mind, top tier of the uh, of the people fighting for those those four other spots. You know, he brings in a whole bunch of of offensive potential. But he doesn't really do that on his own unless we're talking about a speed rush. Otherwise, once he gets in the offensive zone, he's pretty dependent on people getting him the puck in a, in a spot where he can do something with them. Um, and, and here, I, I don't want to go on a, on a general diatribe. I could probably hit all five of them and, and, and go through there. But what, what, what's your way of thinking? How do you, how do you mix and match to, to find who's going to play with Sagan and Ben? Yeah, and then that that could be those two together. It could be those two separately in other right. units. Yeah, that's that's the that's and and I think honestly that's if we're talking about any serious success for this team, it's their Dallas's ability to successfully answer that question is the game. Yeah, and and, and you know, student Nietzsche has stepped in and and really shown an ability to kind of mix and match. Um, and I I really kind of like to see student Nietzsche and Radulov play a little together. Just because Radulov and Kivaranta have have this really great chemistry together, and unfortunately, Kivaranta is is kind of the the first man in, in in Nacho Land, so you rarely get to see that combination together. And if you do, you see him only for limited time on the ice. But if you don't have Radulov with Kivaranta, Radulov's a lot less effective. Yeah. And and so student Nietzsche may be the kind of guy. You know, the, the problem with Radulov is that he's not fast enough to be the four checker that he used to be. And and so he's kind of dependent on somebody attacking the puck so that he can come in and board battles and then do whatever magic weird stuff that he does in dishing out strange assists. But he used to be able to be the first guy in and do that. Now he can't. Yeah. Um, it's been. And, yeah. Much in the same way, you know, with Jamie Ben, right? He used to be able to put an entire game on his back, you know, bull his way into the zone and kind of force the issue. And same thing with, you know, Sagan used to have game breaking, you know, breaking speed. And it's, it's just the progression of time. And so I think now you're having to mix and match more 
and and figure out is it is it Peterson is it is it you know can you can, do, do Guryanov's highs outweigh his lows? Um, can you find a way for Peterson to spackle over someone else's flaws in a way that's productive? Is there anything you can wring out of Joel Kiviranta at this point besides a dramatic hat trick in a vital bubble playoff game? Right. It's it's there's there's just a lot there. And I think it's it's almost funny. I was going back through some old conversations that we had, had during training camp, and it's we're having the same conversations we were having coming out of training camp. We're just having the like darkest universe versions of them, where it's it's you know at the start of training camp it was we were cautiously optimistic. Wow, th- does Dallas actually have options? Could there actually be you know different permutations and ways to, su- to succeed? And we didn't get there. That's that's not what this team ended up doing. But now it's just like, well, is there a way for them to throw out two functional offensive lines? That's just right. can well, we do that, maybe? And 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 I guess it's really in my mind two questions. The the first question is how do you get through the next six games? Um and, and you're gonna do that by kind of mixing mixing and matching and throwing balls up in the air and, and seeing where they fall down. And those are gonna be your line combinations for the for the six spots that aren't, uh, you know, Fox's line and Hintz's line. Uh, once you get into the playoffs, it it maybe gets to be a, a more interesting conversation because then you can kind of mix and match your lines to pair up and take advantage of uh, of whatever is out there as far as the team you're playing. And so at that point, at that point, maybe having a little bit of flexibility and and players who can function and play different roles is an advantage if you understand your players well enough and are, are willing to to roll the dice with what you think are the advantages of the players that you have. And I think you have to, right? Because this is giving me flashbacks to the old Lindy Ruff era stars when they were still making the playoffs and, and we talked about planning. Part of why this is such an acute problem is the reality is as great as the Pavelski line has been or the Robertson line or the Hintz line because they all three are amazing and deserve credit for it. But as great as that unit has been, it is harder to do that in the playoffs like that just because your quality of competition is up. You're playing against a team that is a time to prepare specifically for, you know, they, they will be playing, you know, given their seed, right? Likely four of the seven games in every series, they will be playing on the road against a team that has had a chance to prepare specifically for the Dallas Stars and has last change. And going into that situation as a one-line team and as a team that is reliant on special teams is not a recipe for success traditionally. So, you know, whether it's it's you know, it's it's probably not going to be breaking up the first line at this point. They're they're sort of pot committed there. <clears throat> but they've got, you know, they've got six games to figure something out that makes them consistently dangerous outside of that unit. They're gonna have to figure out a way. Yeah. And and maybe what I'm saying is is you, you know, if you're you, you roll out a different a different set of players if you're playing Calgary than you do if you're playing Colorado. Yeah. Because what they're going to throw at you are different skill sets. And, and the stars have some flexibility in order to put together those lines. And, and I see a lot of teams come playoff time where they don't have that flexibility. And so they turn themselves into three-line teams instead of four-line teams because they don't have a fourth line that they can trust. And the stars, I think, with the variety of talent that they have out there, can at least mix and match to try and exploit some weaknesses and, uh, and and maybe cover up some weaknesses of their own. No, I, th- I think that's completely fair. And I think, you know, it's part of 
yes, we are talking about limitations and how Dallas can kind of scrabble together for additional offense. But at the same time, part of the part of you know, the the yin to that yang is there isn't a ton of functional drop off between Dallas's second line and their fourth. You know, like yeah. this isn't a situation like this. Is, you're you're exactly right. Like R- Michael Roffel has had success with Jamie Bennett points this season. You know, he's, he's he's also some nights not had success, but he's he's done well. We've we've had flirt, you know, we've had moments where Jacob Peterson and um, Alex Radulov were were productive, right? We've had, you know, Dennis Gurionov has had good looks and productive looks with Sagan and Ben, right? There there have been moments where different combinations have kind of come together at stretches, and so for Dallas, no, it never manifested as a second line that was kind of lockstep with, you know, with the first line consistently producing, you know, six, six significant, you know, six, six consistent names, right? It hasn't manifested that way, but they have been able to, okay, well, it's not, um, you know, Peterson, I'm rolling my eyes a little bit, Peterson's tired, so let's play Studenik, right? Okay, well, that worked a little bit, or, you know, Gurianov's on a bender, so we'll play him and we'll, you know, so they, they do have the ability to move some, some things around. Yeah, and and I guess the question is whether that's coach speak or whether that's uh, wh- whether that's actually what what the coaching staff thinks. I'm I'm kind of hoping that it's coach speak because what what you really expect here is for the coaching staff to have a a real good understanding of what makes their players successful. And and, and here I'm talking about the individual players, not the systems themselves. You you have to you have to put that player in a system, but you can't put that player in a system in a position where you're expecting them to do something that they can't accomplish. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's like Foxy. You can't, you, you have to understand Fox's game enough to the point where you can't expect Foxa to be the Foxa of three years ago. And if you do, you're only destined to be, be disappointed. And there's a, there's a sense of reality that I think we're going to run up against in the playoffs and we're going to find out whether whether this team is a team that is is it you know, is this team going to be able to do on the ice what they can accomplish or are we going to try and do what they should have been able to do three years ago and if we try and get them to do what they could have done three years ago they're going to fall flat on their face yeah yeah i think that's a really good way to put it and and i think it's going to be Unfortunately, this is a team that's going to be a wire to wire. Uh, something you got. We're not going to be able to take any games off. Uh, whether right. it's I mean, it's, getting to it's this point or there's six more to go. Yeah, it's edge of the seat stuff because you're you're you know, in, with the rare exception of a blowout like Vancouver, you're you're in a one goal game, and uh, if you if you like one goal games just for the sheer excitement and and, and panic of being that close and turtling while you're doing it. Then that's highly entertaining. If you uh, if you want this team to just go out there and dominate and, and be a, you know show all the skill that they can, yeah, you're probably not going to see much of that. Fortunately, I, I kind of like both, so I'm going to be entertained either way. Yeah, they are. They're never never short on entertainment. Well, I'm sorry, never short on excitement is maybe a better word for it. Yeah. So see, I like I, I I like horror movies and and adventure flicks. So uh, I can see I can this, I this can sit there and enjoy both. <laughs> the Dallas, the the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two Dallas Stars, everybody. Yep. Yeah. Leaning leaning toward the horror flicks. Well, we'll we will see. Hopefully, 
you know they've got they've got six games left, a little bit of, a little bit of runway. Hopefully they get this thing into the barn and we're we're starting to talk about our our playoff podcasting schedule before all too long here. But um, anything else you want to cover before we wrap up today, Mark? I I think I'm I, I'm gonna go cross my fingers and watch a watch an Edmonton game. So uh, wish me luck. Good luck. Um, to all those listening as well, make sure to, to like us and download us and do all of the things. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions, anything you'd like us to cover. KT, as always, you are magic mixing this all together for public consumption. And here's hoping for a good result tonight, a good result tomorrow, and a, a, a brighter postseason than, than last year. You're here. All right. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.